This is Reverend Chuck Blair. Welcome to our weekly podcast on New Church Live. So welcome everyone to New Church Live. So so great to have you here today. And and it's really going to be kind of a fun service. You know, we wanted to put one together on regrets. So if everybody with regrets, please say I do at the same time. One, two, three. I do. We all have regrets. I have them. You have them. And how is it that we can wrestle with this as part of this series that we're doing on fail? Like, how do we learn to hold this whole concept of failure? Because life oftentimes has these failures. It has these successes. And how do we kind of hold it all together? So what I want to do is actually want to start with a question for you folks. So before we put the question up, I'd ask you to stand up. For those first-timers, this is where you bust out your phone or your, or your happy hand to shake somebody's hand. And we have this question up here. And the question is, what is it in your life, like where is the biggest regret in your life? My biggest regret is that I didn't. Maybe you didn't ask her to the dance if you're a teenager and you wish you had. Maybe, uh, you know, you wished you'd done whatever. Maybe you'd wished you'd scored the time goal against Shipley School yesterday. I don't know. Um, whatever it was, where do you have your biggest regret? Please text it in. Now, I want to tell you folks, these texts are going right up to the booth. So sometimes people will send me top secret texts like, Chuck, please don't read this one aloud, but this is not the day to send that text. Just so you know, unless you want everybody to see it, including your mom. All right, so they're going to actually be typing these, and then we're going to look at them in the second half. So please take 60 seconds and just think, yeah, what's the biggest regret that you have? I didn't, blah, 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 all right? And if you're online audience, please send it in to me. If you're here in person, please introduce yourself to someone and share that. Go ahead. All right, folks, please be seated. Again, great to, great to have so many of you here today, and, and, and big welcome to our, to our online. You folks are sharing way too many regrets out there. It is, it is an interesting topic. You know, like, yeah, how do we, how do we hold all this? And, and I think about, you know, kind of the, the context for it, like, like what's, what's challenging about it. And if, if you're like me, you know, I, I'm always wrestling with, am I a success, am I a failure? And I ask myself that question probably 538 times a day. You know, constantly analyzing. I do that, da, 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 back and forth, back and forth. And it can become sort of a neuroses, a paralysis almost. And so I think this bit of like, how do I break out of that? Because if I don't, I'm just going to live a life filled with all kinds of regrets. And I don't believe that's exactly what God has in store for us what God is interested in. I, I read a book a few, few months ago that really was sort of life-changing for me. And it was a book by a pastor by the name of J.R. Briggs. Now, J.R. Briggs, he, was, he, owned a, he excuse me, started a big church up in Lansdale. It grew and grew and grew. And sort of the, the gold standard of churches, because they do things so well, I mean, just an amazing congregation, is North Point down in Atlanta. And the pastor there is Andy Stanley, who's simply a genius, and, and somebody had told him once, you're the next Andy Stanley, which is a little like saying to a junior high school basketball player, you're the next Michael Jordan. Little bit of pressure there. So anyways, he worked really hard to launch this church, and after a couple of years, it just didn't work. So he was left devastated. He's like, well, what do I do? 
you know, I wanted to be a success. Now I'm a failure. How do I handle those two? How do I put it together? So he decided this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to go back into church work, but I'm going to start a whole set of meetings, a whole set of conferences. And this is the graphic for those conferences. And he called these conferences Epic Fail Pastor Conferences. How many of us have had an epic failure? You know? And, and, and ready for this, like, like shocked. I think the first year they had over 2,000 pastors take part in epic fail pastor conferences. I love that. I think that's really healthy because what he was looking at is he was saying, okay, so, so we do, we all wrestle with this stuff. We all wrestle with it. And maybe what we need to end up looking at is is what is church all about? And this is true just across, I think, across so many careers, across so many areas where we worry. So I want you to repeat the first four letters of the alphabet with me. Ready? A, B, C, D. That's what churches do. So churches have to worry about four things. They have to worry about attendance. You have to have people. It's no fun preaching to myself. You have to have a building. You have to have space to meet because people really love to collect. They love to have a place to call home. You have to have a cash flow. That's what we were talking about, so you can fund what you're doing. And then you have to have discipleship. That's the mission. That's the vision, what you're doing. So you have to have these three, and you have to have this one. And he said this. He said, you know, the struggle is in most of our lives, we get so consumed with A, B, and C that we forget about D. Regardless of, of, of what you're doing or what you're what your field is. You know, we get so consumed with this, we forget about what the big picture is. Stephen Covey said it this way. He said, we get so consumed with what's urgent, we forget this word beginning with I, who wants to shout it out. We forget what is important. So consumed about what's urgent, bills are urgent, (laughs) that we forget what's actually important. And, And what we believe, I think in this congregation, again, like this is a means to an end, that all of them actually have to go together somehow. And how is it that we do that, like in our lives? Like, like how is it that we deal with things like job loss and, and job change and, 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 you know, economic circumstances that may not go our way? And how do we wrestle with all that? And the whole point of his book was coming up with one thing. And I think you could fit this in for your life anywhere. I think I'm the only ordained pastor in here, but you can fit it in anywhere. He said, it came down to this. Can you see your life this way? A successful church or a a healthy church. Successful church or a healthy church. Now, healthy churches obviously are probably going to be successful. But that idea that the health of a church is really what we need to look at, the health of our lives, how that all works, that's what's really significant. So I want to kind of look at a little bit of that healthy versus successful dichotomy. And I want to read with you here a passage, and this is out of Luke. We're going to put it up here on the board. And and I I want you to look at this passage. Just think about what Christ is saying here. We we wrestle with this stuff. The next slide. This is from Luke uh, chapter 4. Jesus left the synagogue and went to the home of Peter. Now, Peter, again, we've said it before. Peter is your friend who's always way over-enthusiastic. If he was a dog, he'd be a Labrador retriever. He's like, he's like Mr. Enthusiasm all the time. Now, Peter's mother-in-law was suffering from a high fever, and they asked Jesus to help her. So he bent over her, rebuked the fever, and it left her. So she got up at once and began to wait on them. In other words, to cook dinner. At sunset, the people brought to Jesus all who had various kinds of sicknesses. And laying his hands on each one, he healed them. 
At daybreak, Jesus went out to a solitary place. The people were looking for him, and when they came to where he was, they tried to keep him from leaving them. It's, it's an interesting line there, because just, just imagine that. Like, like here's Peter, and, and, and Christ is getting this reputation in the area. It's just being like, oh, there's this incredible person, this incredible sort of miracle worker. So he's attracting more and more crowds. And so Peter actually gets him to visit his mother-in-law's house. And so you can imagine, like, as, as Jesus walks in and there's all these murmurings and all these people gathering around and, and, and Jesus heals her and then all these other people start coming and, and getting healed. Just imagine if you were Peter for a minute. And somebody comes up, do you know Christ? And he's there, yes, I do. He does favors for me on occasion. Right? I know the guy. I can work you in. I can do it for you. You know, and you think about all the people excited about selling concessions. I don't know. Like, like all these things that they, they were imagining could happen. Because here's this town, and this town's growing, and there's a healer there, and da-da-da-da-da. And they're thinking of it growing and growing and growing. And here, Christ going out to a solitary place. Interesting, right? Because I think in, in, in many, many ways that, that this is maybe how Peter saw it. You know, that's kind of, it's kind of what he wanted. He was like, man, they'll all come to see me. You know, it'll just be this huge over-the-top thing. But that's not what Christ offers. So as the band comes out, I want us to continue wrestling with this. Because it's not that Christ is against that kind of thing. He's not against success at all. You know, but it's, but it's how we hold it. That's the important part. Because there's a very important second part to this story. Where we see Christ wrestling with this idea of success and failure. Giving us a new way to hold it. A new way to maybe pull it all together in our lives. And it deals with this line, why I was sent. Can we say that all together? Why I was sent. When we come back, we're going to look at how that pulls it together in our lives and can give us a new way to handle success and failure. So, you know, really interesting, right? Like, if you just think, like, let's put ourselves in that place. So here's Peter and all this success, and, the, and this quote-unquote church is growing and growing and growing, and Peter can, can sort of set himself up as, as one of the gatekeepers, and then, and then you can imagine a whole group of people, and they're waiting around the house for more healing, and they're like, where's Jesus? And they're like, well, I think he went out on a walk. Wonder where he went. <laughs> you imagine Peter being like, yeah, I wonder. <laughs> a little nervous, a little nervous. And so they go scattering around and then they find him. And you can just imagine the relief like, oh, there you are. Thank you. Come on back to my mom's. Jesus is like, no, you know, I, I, just, I just need to be alone for a little bit. And I need to teach you something. And, and so you picture them in all their excitement. And, it, you know, if they had watches back then, I you know, picture Peter like checking his watch. Okay, but we only got five minutes, dude. And then we got to get back. And, and Christ's going like, no, I, I just need you to hear this. I need you to hear this. Something beyond our polarity of success and failure. And that's this beautiful line from Luke. But he said, I must proclaim the good news, the gospel of the kingdom of God, to the other towns also, because that is, please say those four words, because that is why I was sent. 
So the gospel, the good news, is stuff that comes down to this earth. It's for those of you here in pain. It's for those of you dealing with loss. It's for those of you who are struggling. It's for those of us who've had good weeks as well. It's the understanding of a God that walks with us in all those moments. Listen to the way I just said it. It's a God that walks with us in the blessings and with us in the breakings, with us in the successes, with us in the failures. Emmanuel, God with us. Beautiful. Beautiful, beautiful stuff. That why I was sent is, I think, so, so, so key to that. Because, because here's Christ going like, yeah, we all need to remember why I was sent and why you were sent. Why were you sent to have this experience of life that you're having? Granted, in some days, I'm sure you want someone else's experience. But why were you sent to have it? Like, again, we can look at life two ways. You've heard this before. I think it's really significant. We can either look at it as that we're natural beings having a spiritual experience, or we can hold the new church place of we are actually spiritual beings having a natural experience. Angels in training. Why were you sent? To have that experience. Why are you here? What's that all about? I think that's what Christ was, was trying to, to, get, to get him to answer and to think about. And to get him to maybe think of the crowds as being something different. Maybe a picture like this, a line of, of homeless men, you know, that, that there were other tribes outside of this, that there were other needs outside of his own fame, that there were other people outside of his own immediate family, that there were other places, there were other circles. That's where Christ was going to walk. And what does he always ask? He always says, follow me. Follow me to those other places. Because that's where we get why we are actually sent. See, it, it gives a very different definition, I think, of success and failure. And I want to show you a different definition. I'm going to move, move over here and play with buckets for a little bit. Our goal is not to celebrate success or failure. You know, I think success can be its own racket where we just get too into celebrating success all the time. And it's the same with failure. Sometimes we can get just too into failure as well. What we are here to celebrate is faithfulness to the mission. Please say those four words loud. Why I was sent. That's what we're to celebrate. Regardless of the outcome. Regardless of the outcome. I want to move over here and talk about these buckets and maybe give us a different way to maybe start to see it. I think kind of we have, we have buckets in our life that we can look at. I think, you know, I, I can't speak for you. Most of the people I know and me, I tend to spend most of my time in this bucket. I am always a failure. How many of us spend most of our time in this bucket? You know, I'm always a failure. I'm always blowing it. I'm always making mistakes. We spend a lot of time in that bucket. We can also, it's equally dangerous to spend all of our time in this bucket. Like, I'm a success. No matter what, I'm always going to be a success. In a sense, that's true. And in a sense, it's not. In a sense, this can create a hubris where we just kind of miss the big picture. 
And you can think, folks, about how this creates a, a real polarity. And we're always sort of, sort of, you know, trying to judge it like one way or the other. Like, was it a, was it a good day or a bad day? And, and, and how do we put that final judgment on it? And that can sort of really start to shut us down. And, and it starts to create a, a dichotomy of failure that if everything isn't in this bucket all the time, that, that somehow it has to just be over here. And there has to be a more subtle way, a more subtle way of holding it. A subtle way that actually starts to attach to how we handle regret. This, folks, can become like paralyzing. You know, I, I know, I know for, for me as a pastor, and it's, it's, I laugh with people about this all the time, I always get so nervous every time a Sunday starts. I think this will be the Sunday no one shows. It's like crazy. There's always at least one person here. You know, it's just like crazy, right? Like nuts. Like I just, I just do that all over and over again. And this gets so tiresome. And I, I just need to find different ways to sort of hold this. And the different way, I want to start with this. It doesn't mean that we become unconcerned about failure and success. Like I want to be successful. I want to do successful things. I, I want to be able to handle failure as well. So how do we do it? Well, I think what we do is, I think what we can do is we can take these buckets, we leave them on the table. It's not we get rid of them. We sort of, we slide them back. Please don't fall, buckets. And then we get a different kind of bucket. Am I being faithful to the big picture? Am I being faithful to the big picture? I want to tell you a story. When, when New Church Live, uh, you know, started, one of one of the people one of the, the group that, that started it, he pulled me aside and he said these beautiful words. He said, Chuck, you know what? We just want to try this. We want to see what the Lord can do with this church. And that's all we can do. Whew, is that free? Let's just see what the Lord can do with this church. And then letting it go. And see the little post-it I put on here, because I think post-its are important. <laughs> just, why was I, why was I sad? Why were you set in this life? Keep coming back to that. I mean, folks, like, like that's a question, you know, to, to, to talk about, to talk about with your loved ones, to, to, to like pull over, to find prayer, to find quiet spaces, to just get clear on that. Because I think you were sent to be more than just a judgment of success or failure. And even religion can buy into that, right? Where there's like, there's the absolute right religion and then there's the wrong religion. And, and if you get the wrong religion, there's like a trap door under the stage and God hits the button and down you go. And, and that's, that's not really it either. See, it's, it's interesting with success and failure. Rudyard Kipling. Can anybody say what his most famous book was, Rudyard Kipling? Thank you, The Jungle Book says Rob Nash, whose son just graduated last week from East Stroudsburg University. <laughs> the Jungle Book. Now, Rudyard Kipling wrote a beautiful poem called F. And he says in there this beautiful line, if we can hold success and failure, listen to this, listen, and can hold both those imposters just the same. That's beautiful poetry. Success and failure, and hold those imposters exactly the same. Beautiful line. 
Because I think this is where we can start to create a true north. I'm going to move back over here. This is where we can start to create a true north in our life, where we can start to understand the buckets somewhat differently. We can start to understand that why I was sent in a much more deep and rich way. Because I feel like with all our regrets, that maybe we can use this as a context for holding it. Now what I want to do is I want to show you a video that deals with regret and how to hold it. And then I'm going to show you what all your regrets are. And we're going to look at taking that, taking the video, taking these buckets, and taking your regrets. And kind of like saying, yeah, how do we, how do we put all this together? Isn't that a beautiful video? And you know, I, I just, I love, I love the perspective there. And I, I love that we all have regrets. And, and that there's this possibility. There's this possibility. No matter what regrets you're coming here with, you can go to a clean slate and you can come back to, why was I sent? Why was I sent? See, look at all the regrets this congregation has. Not meeting my wife sooner. Not having a plan in my 20s. Didn't follow through on my dream of going to med school. They copied off the board, whoever did that one. Not listening to my inner self sooner, allowing drugs into my life, not fighting for what I knew what was right, not doing a prayer with my dad before we drove out west, not discovering the new church sooner. You win, whoever you are out there. <laughs> whoever that was, you are no longer anonymous. See me after church for a prize. Um, hurting my family when I was there and when I wasn't. Beautiful. Not investing in the stock market. Not getting into marriage counseling. These, these are beautiful, folks. You know, these are beautiful. And, and the trick is, like, we can live with this being our board, this being our capture. And the problem is, is that if we write this in, in, in sort of Sharpie and we engrave it into the stone of our lives, you know, that can become actually a very paralyzing thing and can limit our idea of what possibility can be present for us. Why was I sent? Why was I sent? Here's, I think, one way that Mother Teresa would, would say it. This is one anchor to the answer, and then I'm going to give you a second one. One anchor to it, Mother Teresa here. God does not require that we be successful, only that we be faithful. You know, that's actually God's requirement. He also doesn't require you to be a failure, just so you know that too. But this is beautiful, beautiful, beautiful theology there. God does not require that we be successful, only that we be faithful. That that's actually what's going to matter in the end. It's important as well to understand how new church holds this. And I was reading through, you know, I've been reading through the book Heaven and Hell, and, and it's one of the books of, of new church theology, and there was this line that just like popped out at me. And it was this line. What are the, I'm going to have you say the D word really loud with a demanding voice. What are the demands? demands. Can we say it in a real demanding way? What are the demands? demands? That's strong words. Like what are the demands? What, do you, what must you do to live a Christian life? <laughs> Look what the answer is. Look at what that answer is. Love and thoughtfulness. Love and thoughtfulness. Yeah, somebody just, I agree. Not success, not failure, love and thoughtfulness. 
Now, now, folks, we imagine again, imagine again being able to stake your life on that. Like imagine being able to go, look, this is the hill I'm going to climb. This is the goal of my life. This is why I was sent. Love and thoughtfulness. Now, is that always easy? I hope you can all say no at the same time. Is that always easy? No, I mean, there's, there's all kinds of like little places. I'm going to tell you a goofy little story just even this morning. As I'm, as I'm getting ready to preach, I'm all excited because I'm excited to share this stuff with your folks. I'm out walking the dogs, and one of the dogs decides to do their business over by the cathedral. And so I'm looking around because guess what I want to do? I want to just keep moving. How many of us have done that? You know, I want to keep moving. And then I'm thinking about some poor soul coming to church for the first time at the cathedral and they come across Chuck's surprise and step in it. It's just for that moment. Like, no, my job is not to race around feeling good about what I'm going to share. My job is love and thoughtfulness. So I did the thoughtful thing and I scooped the poop. There's a... (laughs) Thank you. You can tell your pastor has a real high bar for regeneration here, right? He scooped the poop, honey. It was amazing. Uh, you know, it, it, it is those little things that matter. You know, the, the love and the thoughtfulness. Like, that's what to stake our lives on. Like, like, look over here, folks, at this. Am I being faithful to the big picture? That's the big picture. Why was I sent? That's the big picture. That little Peter part of my brain, of your brain that wants, you know, wants to, you know, see a a mega, you know, 17,000 people all at the same time. Nothing wrong with that as long as it goes back to that love and thoughtfulness. I, I, I think that's why Christ had them keep on moving. Because we find love and thoughtfulness in movement. We find love and thoughtfulness in movement, in reaching out. I mean, next week we're going to look at, I think, one of the most significant things we can look at. We have people from Gloria Day Church. We have somebody from the, Anna Wolfenden from the Garden Church out in California. They're going to be here where all three of us are going to be speaking about how those encounters can change us and how that changes the whole idea of failure. But that this is where we need to stake our lives. So this week, you know, as you're going for it, I know because I, you know, like I just, we have such a wonderful congregation. And in and, and this morning, you know, I was having a little email conversation with someone. We were talking about how hard it is to like even be vulnerable that there's places where we're failing. And I realize some of you are carrying that here today because I've talked to you. I get it. I get it. And what we want to do is is we want to be able to proclaim that good news. And and proclaiming that good news means we're able to hold success and failure and continually try to pull it into a bigger picture. And it's a bigger picture that's always coming back. Please say the three words. That always comes back to love and thoughtfulness. And that's what will shift. That's what will create possibility in our lives. So have a week of failing well. (laughs) And as you do go through this, just remember that. Yep, not success, not failure. Love and thoughtfulness. How can I bring that here and now? And let that be an answer 
to why I was sent. I'd ask you now to please join me in prayer as we close today's service. I'm going to say a prayer, then you have the opportunity to to say the Lord's Prayer, your own prayer, to, to have a moment of quiet reflection. Then we're going to have the last song. You're welcome to sit or stand for the last song. It's a Carrie Underwood number, which is going to be really fun to hear. And just, uh, yeah, and I just want to say, you know, just a little closing bit, just thank you again to this congregation who, who was so graceful about successes and failures and so graceful about allowing things to try, seeing how things evolve, because I do think that's where we find God. He's always sort of one step ahead of us, thank goodness. So please join me in prayer. Lord, thank you for your presence here among us today. And Lord, allow us, allow us this, allow us in our mind when we feel that anxiety raising up, anxiety over success, anxiety over failure, and anxiety over how we balance, anxiety over how we judge, anxiety, have we done enough? Have we done too much, Lord? Allow that anxiety for a moment to just quiet, to just still, to just go to a place, Lord, a place of gentleness, a place of tenderness, place, Lord, where we can very gently hear your voice. We can very gently take your hand. Where we can answer that question of why I was sent with a smile. Maybe not knowing the exact answer, but knowing with that smile, maybe that's all the answer we need for today. Allow us, Lord, to stake our lives here on the demands the demands of love and thoughtfulness. Allow us to go out exercising those this week, regardless of what the outcomes might be. Doing what we can do in the places we can do it. Healing the worlds that you've given us to touch. Be with this congregation this week, Lord. Be with those who are struggling be with those who are in that time of great joy. And do this, please. Bless our ways. In your name, we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. You can support this podcast at www.newchurchlive.tv.